Programs to create more affordable housing in Austin now facing a legal challenge. Who is suing and why others say these programs need to stay? What will soon become a powerful Category 3 hurricane on track to impact Florida. The latest forecast track and cooler weather here at home coming up. And a trial date has been set for former President Trump's election interference case. What this means for his campaign and the rest of the election. Well, Austin over the years has become less and less affordable. And now one effort to help fight that is facing a legal challenge. Thanks for joining us. I'm Daniel Marin. I'm Avery Travis. Several city programs to incentivize affordable housing are the subject of a lawsuit. As KXAN's Grace Reader explains, some local leaders and housing groups say affordable housing programs have made living here easier. They hope the case will get thrown out. For this veteran, finding a place to live in Austin was out of reach. That is, until she found out she qualified for affordable housing. When I fell on hard times, right, then it just got a little perpetually, a little more daunting. Dozens of people gathered outside of a Travis County Courthouse Monday to protest a lawsuit that could result in the overturning of several changes aimed at creating more affordable housing. One of those ordinances being affordability unlocked, which allows developers to get around certain rules like height restrictions in exchange for creating more affordable units. My hope is, uh, you know, in the, in the short term that um, the judge can understand um, the importance of these programs to the community, can see that there is a robust community support for these programs, and can understand that um, this is a need that the city has. But precedent isn't on their side. The suit argues the city did not notify property owners of zoning changes, an argument successfully made before. In 2020, a Travis County judge ruled against the city's overhaul of its land development code in favor of the same group of homeowners making the same argument. Their attorney wrote, quote, State law and fundamental fairness mandate that property owners, big and small, receive notice before their property is rezoned. The city must respect people's property rights. We need a city for the many. But the people demonstrating hope the judge sees it their way. But I want you to know, affordable housing, when I called it a lifeline, it was definitely more than that. It was life-saving. Grace Reader, KXAN News. And a hearing for that lawsuit was slated for this morning, according to Travis County dockets. But the attorney for the homeowners involved said that the hearing was postponed. For context of the affordability solutions Mayor Kirk Watson ran on during his campaign, fixing the development process was a big one. A new review from a consulting firm found Austin's process is expensive, frustrating for developers, and takes too long. Tomorrow, Austin City Council will get recommendations from that consulting firm. They could put to a vote and put two and a half million dollars towards solutions on Thursday. So this is going to be a major impact and Floridians should expect uh, that this, this storm will be a major Cat 3 plus hurricane. So please prepare accordingly. Brace and prepare for impact. That's what Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is saying to his state as Tropical Storm Adalia moves on in. This video shows strong winds hitting the Tampa Bay area last night. DeSantis says 46 counties are now under a state of emergency. There's the wind. He also says there is, quote, no way those in the storm's path will get through the storm with power. Adalia is currently forecast to land as a Category 3 hurricane along the state's Gulf Coast on Wednesday. And we have some video from the Cooperative Institute for Research in the Atmosphere. The sun rising on convection bubbling within the storm mm. this morning. Look at that, David. 
Yeah. Really powerful. We know you've been tracking it from here in the studio. There are three different Hurricane Hunter airplanes that are in the air right now going to see if this thing is a hurricane already. Right now, it's a strong tropical storm. And look at this, one of our best high-resolution models predicting a well-formed hurricane with an eye plowing into the nature coast in uh, Florida Panhandle just less than 48 hours from now. We'll have more on the official track and the impacts for our friends out that way coming up in just about 15 minutes. In the meantime, most of us seeing a much cooler evening than yesterday. These areas that are actually warmer than yesterday was well, because it was pouring rain 24 hours ago. Temperatures have been a little more tolerable than the crazy 110 we saw yesterday at the airport down to 100 with partly cloudy skies on the Whittlesea landscape supply cam in southeast Austin. Unfortunately, if you didn't see rain yesterday, you're probably not going to see much. The chances are fading by the hour. The last of today's rainfall scarce as it was pushing south of Blanco and Gillespie counties. Coming up, I'll show you some of the coolest temperatures temperatures here since June, how long this break from the heat lasts, and more on Idalia. David, thank you so much. A federal judge in Washington has set a trial date for former President Donald Trump's election interference case. That's March 4th, 2024. Now this trial, which is separate from the one in Georgia, would land in the middle of the Republican presidential primary season, and it could impact the 2024 election. Here's NBC's Alice Barr. In a year that will be packed with political and legal significance, there's a new date to watch. March 4th, 2024, the day before Super Tuesday. Now the trial date for the Washington, D.C.-based federal election interference case against former President Trump. The Trump legal team insisting that's far too soon for a fair trial, noting the millions of pages of discovery. Trump attorney John Loro saying he won't be able to provide adequate representation and that, quote, Mr. Trump is not above the law, but he is not below the law. The former president on social media slamming the mid-campaign timing. The defense had asked to push the trial to April 2026 after the presidential election. But U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin flatly rejected that, noting, quote, setting a trial does not depend and should not depend on a defendant's personal and professional obligations. The judge and legal analysts emphasizing the Trump team is already familiar with the evidence. Most of this information, these witnesses, they already know about. There was a January 6th select committee hearings. They knew about that. In a separate case, the former president and his 18 co-defendants are now set to make their initial court appearances September 6th in Georgia, where they're accused of trying to illegally overturn the state's 2020 election results. One of the defendants, former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, taking the stand today as he seeks to move his case to federal court, arguing he was acting within the scope of his duties as a federal employee. At least one member of the Trump legal team watching on as they weigh whether to make the same move. In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News. The security guard who chased this weekend's Jacksonville master shooter away from a historically black university is now telling his story. Lieutenant Antonio Bailey says he confronted the 21-year-old after students at Edwards Waters University saw him park on campus and put on some gloves. The suspect then sped away with Bailey in pursuit. School officials say Bailey likely prevented a massacre on campus. Police later released video of the gunman wearing a tactical vest, opening fire outside a Dollar General store and then inside the store. Investigators say he killed 52-year-old Angela Carr, 29-year-old Gerald Gallion, and 19-year-old A.J. Laguerre before killing himself. 
Police say the gunman sends racist writings to local law enforcement, the media, and his own parents expressing his desire to kill black people. Well, pilots taken to the sky when they shouldn't be. An investigation looks into pilots' health in and out of the cockpit. Now that universities are back in session, what are they doing to prepare before a Texas law banning DEI initiatives goes into effect next year? How rules differ for public and private schools? And Austin has seen an uptick in COVID cases thanks to a new variant. What doctors are saying about the rise and when we could see a new booster. When you fly, you're placing your trust into the hands of a flight crew to get you to and from your destination safely. But a Washington Post investigation has found close to 5,000 pilots, some of them flying from major airlines, have been flying and lying about their physical and mental health. The Post maintains the FAA has known about this for years and only recently took action. The pilots under investigation are military veterans who are accused of omitting or submitting incorrect information about medical conditions to the FAA that could negatively impact their qualifications for flying. The post investigation says the pilots told the FAA they're healthy enough to fly, yet they failed to report, as required by law, that they were also collecting veterans benefits for disabilities that could bar them from the cockpit. The FAA says 60 pilots posed a clear danger to aviation safety and they should stop flying while their records are under review. The majority of the remaining pilots with open cases can continue flying while the FAA looks into their paperwork. Well, unfortunately, even with the cooler north wind today, this was our 67th 100 degree day of the year at Camp Mabry. That's the fourth highest count that we've ever measured at the airport. An unprecedented 31st day in a row of triple digits hitting 102. I'll show you, though, a more comfortable stretch of days on the way coming up. The UT system has already made the call to pause diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives ahead of a new Texas law banning these efforts, which is set to go into effect next year. But private, private campuses can still choose to maintain DEI if they choose. Our Jayla Washington reports from Concordia University's North Austin campus on their first day of classes this semester. It sounds and looks like a fresh start on Concordia University's first day. Alexa Salas in her second year. I feel like I'm just where I need to be. Says she's thankful to be here. All of my friends go to public universities and I'm the only one that's in a private. Diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts on those public campuses soon to be shut down. Item three recommends amending and retitling rule 10701 as necessary to comply with changes to state law concerning diversity, equity, and inclusion. UT Austin's Board of Regents last week agreed on how to move forward with DEI ahead of a new law going into effect in January, which bans DEI offices, staff, and initiatives. All in favor say aye. Aye. At Concordia, the provost says DEI is fundamental in serving its students who are mostly Hispanic and black. Are you going to continue to be the institution that we've known you to be? And our answer to that is yes. Um, we put a lot of energy into what we call our Abide initiative. We certainly don't see ourselves in competition or want to steal from public institutions, um, but we do believe deeply that we have an educational mindset and, and kind of program that, that Central Texas deeply needs. Christy Kirk, Concordia University's provost and executive vice president, says they're maintaining their university equity nine-person team that focuses on DEI policies and creating new ones as needed. Will more students come because of this? Time will tell. 
Jayla Washington, KXAN News. Jayla, thanks so much. We also reached out to St. Edwards University, another private campus, and are waiting to hear whether anything will change with DEI initiatives under Texas new law there. UT's Board of Regents vote last week officially allows campuses throughout its system to begin taking steps to end DEI initiatives by January. And going in depth, Texas isn't the only state that has banned the DEI. Lawmakers passed legislation in Florida, North Carolina, South Dakota, and Tennessee. And as of this July, 40 bills have been introduced in 22 states that would place restrictions on DEI initiatives at public colleges. That's according to data compiled by the Chronicle of Higher Education. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is reporting an uptick in COVID-19 hospitalizations nationwide. Austin health officials are seeing increased case counts here locally. Austin public health officials say the department saw a 33% increase in positive COVID-19 lab tests in just the last week alone. But as more people self-test at home or don't test at all, they say the real numbers are likely much higher. The case increases come as a new COVID-19 strain, ARIS, dominates nationally. It's known to cause upper respiratory symptoms like congestion, a runny nose, a sore throat, and other cold-like conditions. As I always say, the famous last words, I think I have allergies has on numerous occasions uh, ended up being a COVID uh, positive result. KXAN's digital reporter Kelsey Thompson has more details on this uptick, uptick and how APH uses wastewater to test COVID-19 levels. Interesting stuff there online right now at KXAN.com. And an updated COVID vaccine booster is expected pretty soon. The FDA is expected to give the go-ahead before a CDC vaccine advisory panel meeting on September 12th. Doctors guess the peak in COVID spread may be in November or December. Now, remember, even if the first shots are given as soon as the CDC director, Dr. Mandy Cohen, signs off on them, it could be an additional two weeks for people to develop full protection. And despite the uptick in cases, right now the CDC says there is no talk of reinstating mask mandates this fall. First warning weather with Chief Meteorologist David Yeomans. Well, hope you're having a nice start to your week on this Monday evening. Here are the big three things that you need to know in your forecast. First of all, you probably noticed the more tolerable temperatures. That continues and even gets better over the next couple of days, aided by breezy winds coming from the north tomorrow. Meantime, our friends in Florida brace for what will soon be major Hurricane Idalia. Current wind speed blowing from the proper direction. It's been months and months of south winds and record heat. Now we have a north wind at 5 to 15 miles per hour behind yesterday's cool front that brought that dramatic line of dust into Austin with its gusty winds and also some scattered storms. Temperatures behind it have been far from cool, but hey, 99 is better than 109, which we hit yesterday at Camp Mabry. Getting ready for the Longhorns football season ramping up here in Austin this Saturday. Current temperatures from west to east just a lot more more tolerable and a lot more typical for late August 97 in Bastrop. It is 100 down in Luling and San Marcos. This is happening as the cool front has now pushed off the Texas coast and pulled up stationary, not moving from where it is. We have a few little crops of showers and thunderstorms to our southwest, but the chances of those locally are slim and only getting slimmer. New high resolution data just in at the top of the hour showing a very small chance of rain for the next couple of hours and then it dwindles to zero by sundown tonight and through the day tomorrow. Tomorrow. So our focus now turns toward breezy and milder conditions tomorrow. Here we go overnight with temperatures could be worse, lower middle 70s, not chilly by morning. But tomorrow afternoon, 
everybody stays under 100 for the first time in a long time. Tomorrow night, temperatures continue to step down by a couple of degrees, lower 70s, even maybe some upper 60s. And Thursday morning, beyond the scope of this model, we're thinking it's Austin's coolest morning in nearly three months, down close to 70 degrees. Unfortunately, even with the milder weather being one thing that we need, rain is the other, and we don't have a lot of rain expected locally through the work week nor over the next seven days. This is happening while a slowly gathering strength tropical storm is between Cozumel and Cancun and the southwestern tip of Cuba. Idalia now has 70 mile per hour winds. Remember, hurricane threshold is 74 miles per hour or greater, but we should reach that in the next couple of hours. And by tomorrow at this time, we could have a rapidly intensifying category two or category three storm. Landfall is expected on the northwestern coast here of the uh, Florida Peninsula. This is in the area of Cedar Key all the way out toward Panama City. Notice this broad swath of tropical storm force winds in the yellow color extending down to Tampa, even St. Petersburg. This is going to affect so many folks with a storm surge ocean rise right at landfall up to 8 to 12 feet. That means places like Cedar Key could go completely underwater. Obviously, the 120 mile an hour winds would be a huge concern as well. And then in Charleston, South Carolina, the outer banks of North Carolina get affected by a weaker storm decaying later this week. No impacts here at home, obviously. Tonight's forecast, clearing skies and mild temperatures. We're down to 74 by morning. Tomorrow afternoon, this would be the coolest day in Austin since August 7th, weeks ago. Breezy north winds bring in that drier air and dry weather under partly cloudy skies. 97 tomorrow, probably under 100 again on Wednesday. Look at this, Thursday morning. Maybe you can step outside with the kids at 71. This coming weekend, the Texas game looks dry and reasonably hot at 101. A slight chance of rain returns locally starting on Sunday. Simone Biles has made history yet again. What another title means for the gymnastics star as she vies for a spot on the 2024 Olympic team. Right now, we're tracking Adalia, the storm building strength, and Florida on alert for what could be a major hurricane, plus the historic fraud settlement with the government and the former Marine who called out a U.S. contractor. Ahead on Nightly News. Simone Biles is making history again. She won her eighth U.S. championship in San Jose last night, her first title since the two-year break from competition. Sam Pesnick, NBC sports analyst and former Team USA gymnast, weighs in. The fact that she's paving the way and really showing, hey, this is what it takes to stay in this sport uh, in your late 20s. And I think that that's really cool. And we're going to see a lot more people following in her steps, footsteps after this. Biles became the oldest woman at just 26 years old to win a national title since USA Gymnastics began organizing the event in 1963. Well, hundreds of people, some of them on land, others on live stream, have joined the search for the mythical Loch Ness Monster in Scotland. This is the biggest Nessie hunt in over 50 years. About 100 volunteers came to the Scottish Highlands to scan the waters, and almost 300 signed up to monitor an online stream of the search that was organized by the volunteer research team called the Loch Ness Exploration. They also flew drones with infrared cameras over Loch Ness and used a hydrophone to detect underwater sounds. Back in 2019, scientists analyzed DNA traces to rule out the presence of large animals such as dinosaurs, concluding that the fabled Loch Ness monster could possibly just be a giant eel. 
Tonight on KXAN, it's American Ninja Warrior at 7, followed by The Weakest Link at 9, and then we're right back here with KXAN News at 10. Or you can join us an hour earlier for KXAN News at 9 on CW Austin. Here's where to find us.